Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. How are you all today? I hope that you are well. I hope there's a little bit of beauty, a little bit of joy, and a little bit of a spring in your step, wherever you are in the world. Here we are this evening in the United Kingdom, and I'm very excited about my guest. But before I introduce her, I have been contemplating, and you'll know why when you hear my guest's story. And the contemplation for the past few days is about where is our real home? And that is something that I think most of us search a lifetime to find. And there is no real answer apart from the fact that I always believe that home is really where you feel at peace. It's not really a place as such. I think it's a state of being. So you can be wherever. You can be in America, in Timbuktu, in Australia, anywhere. But it is where you feel at peace. And that's the most important thing, is that we can search a lifetime to find that place called home. But actually, I think it resides within us. And here we are. So delighted to welcome my special guest tonight. And that's the rather interesting and lovely lady who is Siobhan Daniels. Siobhan retired from the BBC two years ago after a 30-year career working as a reporter, presenter and producer. During that time, she overcame many challenges, including working full-time as a single mother. At nearly 50, when her daughter went to university, Siobhan took a gap year from work and backpacked solo around the world. This trip changed her forever, and she began to develop her plan to one day travel the UK in a motorhome. By her mid-50s, she felt burnt out. Whilst battling with various things in life, and she was also facing ageism and bullying at work. Siobhan knew she needed to find her escape plan. In 2019, age 60, she took early retirement, sold her belongings, bought a motorhome, and embarked on her solo trip around Great Britain. And here she is 
Today, she shares her absolutely, just wait, incredible story. Welcome, dear Siobhan. Welcome. What a fabulous introduction. Thank you very much. Step on the red, yes. Step on the red carpet. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> How are you, dear lady? I'm very well, thank you. I'm snug as a bug in my motorhome with a nice cup of tea. Looking forward to chatting with you. Oh my goodness. Are you allowed to say where you are? I'm in I'm in Sussex. I never say exactly where I am. Of course, just, of course. Just say, yeah. But um, I'm in Sussex bordering on, on Kent, so I can pop into Tunbridge Wells and visit my daughter, who's only about 20 minutes away. Um, I'm only here for a few days and then I move on again. My goodness, what a story. You are such an inspiration. I have to say to the listeners out there, I was absolutely overjoyed when Siobhan agreed to come on the show because her story is fantastic. And it, I think it plays those little chords in my heart of being myself, I think, a gypsy at heart where, um, or a dervish traveling around the world, which is definitely something that I used to do a lot um, in better days, but hopefully better days are coming even more. So before we go on, Siobhan, tell us a little bit about you and how this amazing journey began. Well, I mean, like you say, it was it started sort of many years ago. I, I got a seed in my mind um, when I decided that I was going to take what I called my mature gap year from the BBC. Um, I've been a single mum for years. My daughter was going off to university. Um, Sadly, one of my brothers had died at 53 from lung cancer. And I'd had to have um, a hysterectomy because I'd had precancerous cells. Um, And I call that my hysterectomy because I've never been the same since. Um, oh. but I, I had my hysterectomy and the bereavement everything it was getting on top of me so I took this mature gap year and went traveling around the world and I ended up traveling with people of all ages and from all walks of life and it just made me feel so happy I felt just the happiest I've felt in my life and I just thought I'm ageless I'm fearless I'm, I'm exploring pushing my boundaries in life and this is what I want to do more when I retire um, so I got the seed then that when I retired I wanted to travel I didn't know what form that travel was going to take at that time but then that's what I decided to do and um, went back to work got back in the swing of working and everything after my gap year sadly then one of my sisters died the same age at 53 from lung cancer and that oh, absolutely knocked me for six I just couldn't bear it um and my my um work as well I was feeling sort of marginalized and ageism was coming into play and I was struggling with the menopause you know that cotton wool head where you can't remember things and feeling anxious um and so at that time my daughter said to me let's do a marathon mum let's run a marathon bearing in mind I'm sort of my early 50s and I'd I'd never run and I said oh let's not (laughs) (laughs) Um, but of course she won and we ended up um running the Brighton Marathon and then a couple of years later the London Marathon but all the I'm telling you this because these kind of things started making me feel that I could push my boundaries I could 
do things I'd never done before. I could face my fears and come out the other side. And crossing that finish line in the first marathon that I did in my early 50s, I just felt so empowered, so strong. I just felt I could do anything. And the only thing that would hold me back would be my, me, myself. Um, but still, I was struggling in life and work and all sorts of things. So I decided one day when I found myself crying in the toilet at work, I was probably about 55, 56 at the time, because I'd had a, a, a hideous um, interaction with my boss in the workplace and I ran off to the loo for some kind of um, sanctuary. And I was crying my eyes out. And I just remember thinking to myself, I can't, I can't carry on anymore. I can't keep pretending. I'm not, I'm not living, I'm not feeling, I'm just pretending. Um, and so I then hatched the plan that I needed an escape route. I didn't know what it was going to be, but I needed to escape. And I gave myself until I was 60 and I thought, I, I'm going to retire when I'm 60. Um, and that's what I did, really. And, and for the next few years, I just kept working out how I could possibly um, be just travel and be free in, in retirement. Um, and I got rid of my flat and most of my things um, and uh, bought myself a motorhome and embarked on this trip that I'm doing now. Oh, my goodness. It's just I, I cannot tell you how wonderful I think you are, because what a courageous thing to do. And what was it? Was there a gradual feeling that you needed to do this? I, I know that you wanted to sort of feel free and everything. But what was it actually that made you make that final decision, Siobhan, to sell everything and to just do it? I think at the same time as knowing I wanted to travel, I was becoming more and more despondent with watching everybody going out and working ridiculously long hours to earn lots of money, to buy lots of stuff to fill the houses it with, including me, I was doing the same kind of thing. Mm. And, but it meant that they had so little time to really connect with people and connect with their friends and family because they were out working for stuff that they didn't really need. And it, to me, it just seemed crazy. Um, and I remember when I was going around the world in my late 40s um, and I had my rucksack I lived with everything that was in that rucksack. That's all I needed. And sometimes I'd even forget I'd got that particular T-shirt or something at the bottom of the rucksack. But I knew I could survive with very little. And I wanted to show people that we could, we could all survive with far less stuff than we have at the moment. Um, and so once I'd got my mind around it, that I wanted to get rid of everything, it seemed quite easy, really. And I was just going back and forth to charity shops with bags of things and selling things to friends and on eBay and everything. And I just got rid of it all. And my daughter was a bit alarmed, I think, at first. Mm. Um, but, you know, she soon realised that, that it was something that I was going to do. And the things that were difficult to get rid of um, I take photographs of them. So I've still got memories. They're still there. They're still in my heart, but I don't really need them. It was the memories of when I bought them, when I looked at them. So I've still got those memories and I can look at the photographs when I've got, you know, when I'm just chilling out. Um, but I think what I'm trying to say to people is if you want to spend quality time with family and friends, you've got to get away from this consumerism and buying lots of stuff and surrounding yourself with lots of stuff, thinking that's going to fulfill you. Actually, it stops you 
being fulfilled because a lot of people they're working such long hours you you arrange to see your family and friends and you think oh I can fit you in in um, maybe June or July you know in six months time and when that time comes round you might have had a, a horrible week you don't really feel like seeing anybody um, but because you've that's the only weekend that you can fit them in your t- your busy schedule they come and you're all pretending again you're all tired and you can't wait for them to go really as much as you love them and everything. So no, you're not really having quality time either, all because we're spending money buying stuff we don't need. So that's what I wanted to show by with my motorhome was that you could have very few possessions um, and still be happy. And now this month, it's two and a half years that I've been on the road in my motorhome and I've never been happier. I think it's absolutely amazing and remarkable to have that strength of spirit and courage to be able to do that. But I suppose, I wonder, is it the backpacking that sort of prepared you for that? No, not at all, really, because that, that was this is a whole lifestyle change. This was sort of extricating mm-hmm. myself from society, really. That was a that was a, a challenge, but an, an exciting challenge. And I remember sitting on the plane when I was leaving and actually yeah. having a cry, thinking, oh, my God, I'm actually doing this. <laughs> um, and even when I started doing this, at the end of my, my last few weeks of working, I've been telling everybody at work for years, I'm going to buy myself a motorhome. I'm going to travel around the country and get rid of all my stuff. And they were all saying, to me, oh, my goodness, you're really going to do this, aren't you? And I'm saying, yeah. So I, I wasn't feeling courageous. I just felt it's it's something I had to do. I was going under. I, I felt suicidal at one point. I was so down in my 50s. I just, you know, thank God for my daughter. I just kept going, but I just was lost. And what I'm trying to do now, really, with all this is help women who I know there are many of them out there because they've contacted me. I've had hundreds and hundreds of emails since I was in the newspaper, but basically wants to encourage them that no matter how down you get when you're in your mid mid fifties or whatever, and you're going through the menopause or you're marginalized ageism at work or bullying, you know, you can find yourself, you can come out the other side. You know, you have got that courage inside you. You may not feel it at the time. I didn't. I couldn't stand up for myself in situations in work when I look back now um, because I was so anxious with the menopause. If I had the same scenarios now, gosh, I'd wipe the floor with certain people. Um, Mm. So I wasn't really courageous. I just felt I had to do it to survive. And fortunately, um, it's been a roller coaster of a ride in the last two and a half years with the pandemic and everything and lockdowns. But I have become now in my 60s, the woman that I always think I should have been, really. Um, I've got a voice. I feel confident when I say no, I mean no. When I mean yes, I mean yes. And I'm all about women supporting women and helping each other through these horrible times. Absolutely fabulous. It, I can tell from your voice there is a real passion to what you're saying and a real belief behind it. And I think that's all the more helpful and all the more encouraging for people out there, especially for women that want to make that change in their life, but are too afraid for whatever reason, because sometimes life turns out very differently to what we think it's going to be most of the time. And to find something that stirs your heart and 
enables you to follow your dream must be completely liberating, Siobhan. But it is. But I, I want to go back to when I had the seed when I was in my mid 50s. Yes. Really broken because that's the stage a lot of women are at when they think they can't. They're not brave enough. And I thought I couldn't and I wasn't brave enough. And I see where I'm at now. And what I'm trying to say and, and hope these women can feel from me is that you are brave enough. You have got that courage. You've used that courage for a long time, probably to bring up your children or your job or your husband and your marriage and everything. But that courage is there. Now use that courage for you. Have a think. What what it is that you really, really, really want to do that will make you happy in life. Write down what it is and just be totally honest. You may not be able to do that exact thing, but then write down what it is that you think is stopping you from doing that. All the reasons. Be totally, totally honest, whatever it is, and then write down what you think you would need to do to overcome those obstacles. And then put that book or piece of paper away for six months, maybe a year, and get it out again and have a look. And it's amazing how many things that you've worked out a way to do. I mean, I kept thinking, oh, I've got my bills and everything to pay. I can't. I've got, you know, my house. And and then I suddenly thought, sell the house, sell the house, get rid of the stuff, sell the car. You know, but it took me a couple of years before I woke up one morning with that eureka moment and thought, that's what I'm going to do. I don't need it. And everyone said, oh, rent it out, do this. And I'm thinking, no, I don't want to. I don't want that responsibility. So I feel if you do it that way, writing down and put it away, your brain has already got that thought process. You know, when sometimes you talk to people or you see mm. people, then they come in your dreams. Yes. There's areas of your brains that are working all the time that we don't really know about. And somehow that's working out little solutions for you, unbeknown to you. And when you look at the bit of paper, some of those things that, that seemed totally insurmountable 12 months before, suddenly it's, the, it's obvious. You think, oh, no, well, if I do that and do that, and then that'll work out. I mean, I had never, ever driven a motorhome, holidayed in a motorhome or anything. But for some reason motorhome came in my head and I just so you knew you knew immediately was it something that but I wasn't one of these people who looked around and saw motorhomes and vans and things for years and thought oh that's what I want to do it was just something that came into my mind that said this is what you can do this you know you you have the money to be able to buy one so just buy one do it and and set off (laughs) does your motorhome have a name Yes, it's Dora the Explorer. <laughs> and she's fabulous. And do, do you know what? I went and looked at loads of motorhomes. And for about two years, mm. I'd always be on the internet looking around and seeing what they were like and what I wanted and what I didn't want and chatted to people. And then when I walked inside this one, I just knew that this was the one for me. It was, it's perfect. It's got everything I need. It's got um, at the back area, there's a kitchen area with uh-huh. a cooker and grill and a, a hob and a sink and then to the left of that I've got a shower room with a full-size shower and toilet and sink oh wow I know I know that's really posh no all mod cons and then I've got a fridge freezer and a microwave Mm -hmm. and Mm. then I've got a central heating system that runs off gas or electric so if I'm plugged into electric on a site um Mm -hmm. I can use it or if I've got um no no connection to any electricity or anything I just run everything off gas 
So it's, you know, it's just like being in a little flat. It's lovely. I think it sounds lovely. And, and what about the, um, it, these things really interest me. And what about the um, sleeping area? Where is that? That's down the middle of it. I've got two long benches. Um, mm-hmm. They're like settees either side of it. And I literally just have to pull them out and they, they've, the cushions fall down and each side is the width of a single bed or you can put them all together like a super duper king size when my daughter comes and stays with me we do that um and then I've got a memory foam mattress rolled up in a locker above the driving seat and pop that on it so it doesn't take me long to make up the bed at all so from the beginning when you bought Dora the Explorer Mm -hmm. and that was it you were on your way you got into Dora and where did you go? Where was, did you have any idea? Did you have any plans? How did that work out? I turned the key in the ignition and I hadn't got a clue really where I was going. And my, my plan was to have no plan and to go with the flow. And that mm-hmm. really is pretty much what I've done for the last two and a half years. Um, but I headed up to Yorkshire because mm-hmm. I'm originally from Yorkshire. I had a couple of trial run weekends going out to the Peak District and c- c- coming back to friends. But when mm-hmm. I headed off for real, I went up to um, Yorkshire, to the Yorkshire Dales with two of my friends. Because um, in a previous life, I'd been a nurse for nine years before I became a BBC journalist. Ah, oh, okay. So two girls that I, I knew from when I was 18, when we started nursing, the three of us did um, a week in the Lake District and we just had a ball. And I was able to get used to um, driving it with them around to give me a bit of confidence and cooking meals and having showers and things. Um, and it, we, we just had such a good time. And they were in the 60s as well. Um, yeah. So we were talking about how we felt and how society reflected um, older women you know the images that are used we were all very cross about they reduce us to body parts when they talk about sort of over 60s it's like crinkly hands or arched backs and walking sticks and things and it didn't reflect the kind of people that I knew in the 60s 70s and 80s yes yes because I have a friend and he always says to me and we have a little bit of a sort of a shindig about it he said oh you know older women and I said well how old are older women he's well you know 40, 50. I said, 40, 50. I said, what load of rubbish is that? He said, well, yeah, they are older, you know, because, you know, they're sort of a a certain age. And I really get cheesed off because I think think people say old as if it's something bad. I like being older. And I think what we need to do is change the narratives around older. And and don't say it like it's a negative thing. And and women shouldn't be saying they want to look younger. You know, I I had little rants on on social media last night because somebody had given me some lovely face creams and things and some face packs. And I looked at it and it said youth, how to keep yourself looking younger for longer. And I thought, I don't want, I don't want anti-aging creams. I want things that enhance aging and pro-aging and that make me look the best I can as for as long as I'm able to age. I don't yeah. want things that are going to make me look youthful. Why is youth good? Why is young good and old bad? Why is old a negative? It should be a positive. And that's what this is all about. This is what I'm doing. I'm trying to champion pro-age and positive aging as I'm traveling the country in my motorhome. Oh, what a wonderful job you have. <laughs> <laughs> really? 
really, really, really you do. And I, this thing about age, it's very interesting because in different cultures, age is seen differently Oh, yes. Because it's respected and you have the elders of the family and they are the people that you go to advise, you know, to advise you on life. Yes. Because yes. they have lived that life. And, you know, I remember going to my grandfather and my great grandmother and asking things because they knew better than I did. And I was only very, very young, but I always respected that hierarchy of years of wisdom that I would put it at. And I remember when I was young and I did a beauty course and my teacher, her name was Wendy and she was fabulously beautiful. And she was actually at the time around 65, but she looked fantastic. And I remember saying, Wendy, but this person doesn't look young. I was only young. Mm. And she said to me, Mimi, it's not about looking young. It's about looking good for your age. Yes. I will never forget that, Siobhan. So that really emanates the same message of what you're trying to get across. But and that always stuck think, with me. I think we also need a lot more intergenerational interaction because I yes. think older people can learn from younger and younger Absolutely. from older and mm. a lot of when you're young you don't know any better you just make assumptions on what society has stereotypically described an older person what they're going to feel what they're going to think what mm. they look like so you grow up dreading that but if the older people can talk with the younger people and tell them how they feel inside what their thoughts are what their body's doing then maybe you know the younger people won't fear being older you know and all the things that are around for older people are still so beige and horrible I always say you know when you age you don't beige why why are the clothing for older people not as snazzy as they could have been why are the accessories you need sort of to help you in the household if you're a bit infirm all beige and browns and cream. yes you yeah. know let's yeah. get a bit more funky things in and the younger people you could get them designing for the older people and an interaction like that and I think they they'd understand I know there's um people in America there's groups that are working on this and trying to get a lot more intergenerational activities going I think it's a fantastic idea and I think society Siobhan would be a whole lot better if that was to happen especially in the west here because they don't they don't I have to say this sadly but the majority of people do see old age uh, as a curse oh yes but yeah I think it's a blessing it's a huge opportunity to experience another chapter of life but I also think a lot of women who are lost including myself when I was in my mid-50s you yeah. kind of think is this it am I sort of getting now is this the slippery slope is this the end is this not the end in your mid-50s but you don't you you think you're on getting old is it, it's a negative thing it's a slippery slope and oh. actually it's so exciting and so invigorating and I know not everybody's going to be physically able to run two marathons and climb the three Yorkshire peaks and climb oh. Mount Melange and Malawi like I did in my 50s um, or do this now running around the country and going up to Scotland and Wales and all over the place in a motorhome but oh. 
There's, they can do meditation every day. They can go for walks every day. Lifestyle changes are adventures. Um, and it keeps you young in, in mind and heart and spirit, but it also allows you to age in a positive way. And so you've got old and young together. And that's what I think we should be doing. I a thousand percent agree with you. And, you know, they say that when an older person is with a younger person, it rubs off on them. So the older yes. person feels younger and the younger person feels wiser. And they all feel happier. They endorphins and things produce, they feel a lot happier and a lot more optimistic about things. It's true because if we look at our life, like the seasons, and not everyone passes through those seasons or is lucky enough to have those seasons of life, but if people are lucky enough to have the older generation with them, it is really such a huge gift to be around those people. I love being around older people and I love hearing their stories. I could listen to stories all day Mm. because there's so much to learn. And their view of life also is wholesome. In its entirety, there is a, a sense of, like the circle of life, there is a magic about it. I mean, there are some people who do struggle with getting old and life isn't all um, wonderful for them. I do understand that. But what I'm trying to do is is I'm going to do this for as long as I possibly can. And I know it's definitely keeping me fitter and I walk every day and I've got to fill my water. And, you know, there's a lot of I've washed down the outside of the motorhome yesterday a lot of cleaning and and sweeping up and things to do so that keeps me active Um, but I understand not everyone can do it and I don't want to annoy them but it's just the whole philosophy of aging and the whole way we Mm. look at aging you know um, like I was saying about the anti-aging creams and things somebody gave me some shampoo as well and I looked at it and it was anti-aging shampoo and I thought what on earth is that about it's just playing on our insecurities I mean, shampoo, shampoo for cleaning mucky hair. You know, it's not going to make you any younger. It's a good marketing ploy. Yeah, well, that's it. And and the marketing ploy is to to tap into our insecurities about what getting old means. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I can be stricken down next week with something, but all I know is I am living my best life and trying to age well, um, age as disgracefully as I can um, and enjoy every moment whilst I can. And, and it just means that if I am infirm down the road, I can look back and have some brilliant memories, you know. It's a good way to live. It's a good way to live. And especially, you know, there are people that are not able to, of course, but mm. there are people that are not able to, sadly, at any age. You know, it, it is not an age thing because anything can happen to anyone, you know, God forbid, at any time. So we only well, have this it. moment. Aging is, aging is a privilege. My sister yes. couldn't age. My brother couldn't age. My oh. father died at 50 when I was 16. You know, none of them could age. So yeah. I'm aging for them, really. And I'm trying to say to people, I'm aging and I'm going to do it with a big smile on my face. And I want to bring you along with me. And I want to show you that you, you don't need to spend all your money on these big houses and, and stuff and everything. Oh. Get out there and talk to people go and seek out younger people or older people and sit down and have quality time with them because that's what I'm able to do and how different Siobhan 
do you feel when you get up in the morning and there you are, free as a bird? What is that feeling? It is, it's a fabulous feeling, to be honest. Um, I love it. And, and only a few months ago, I was walking along the Seven Sisters and the white cliffs were were along in front of me. The, the sun was shining and it was that silvery grey over the sea to the right of me and greenery to the left of me. And I just felt really, really tearful because I just thought, I've, I'm so genuinely happy. All those years of having to pretend to just get through life and get through the job and get through struggling, being a single mum and working full time and everything. I wasn't having to pretend I was genuinely happy in that moment. And that was a fabulous feeling. And also I was able to look back how far I've come and the journey I've come on. And I've managed to get rid of all the anger that I felt about various bad times in my life and use that to make those moments even more precious. Because I think what I've been through and I'm here now, this is so sweet. This is so lovely. And I'm, I am privileged to be able to have the time. I've got far less money than I've ever had. I mean, I used to love throwing dinner parties and champagne. I was known as Champagne Chabon. I used to love all that. And now I don't do that but I have quality time with my friends and my family when I see them. And I still break bread and cook meals for them when we have a bottle of wine, but I don't need all that money and the trappings that I had. Um, and I'm happier than I've ever been. How wonderful, really, truly, how wonderful. And it's such a delight to hear these words from you because so few people are actually living their dream life, sadly. And I wish people would have that bravery and courage to do that. And hearing your story, I'm hoping that the listeners out there, someone, it will stir something in them, you know, at least one person to try to find that life of dreams. Because look, so many emails mm. from people since I was in the newspaper, hundreds and hundreds of emails. And what do they say? women opening their hearts to me saying that they oh my god I'm doing what they would love to do they haven't got the courage to do it they really can't do many more years in their jobs or their life the way it is and I've had lots of them saying that's it you've given me the courage I'm giving in my notice and I've had literally three or four who've messaged me in the last couple of weeks who've said the houses are on the market or they've sold a house really quickly and this is what they're doing and they're genuinely I think there's going to be a flood of people doing it you know especially with yeah. all the house prices and all the cost of living going up. I think people aren't going, you know, they may be forced to do it, but then they will find it's a fabulous way of life. That's what I wanted to ask you on a practical level is, for example, how long do you stay in a place and how far have you got around um, the United Kingdom? Well, I don't stay in a place any particular length of time. If I like it, I stay. If I don't, I move on. It's as fluid as that. Mm -hmm. um, and when I'm sat in here, I might, if I'm in Sussex, I think, oh, where have I been? Where haven't I been? I start looking at the map and I think, oh, that place. Oh, I've not been there. Um, and then I start Googling what there is of interest around there and reading it up. And then I start Googling, are there any little sites? Because I don't like going to the big campsites. I try and find the quirky ones, um, um, certified locations or, or certified sites that are affiliated with the big 
um, motorhome clubs, but they're only allowed oh, four or five, okay. and they're private. It's like where I am now, I'm the only person in this field, um, and I'm here for for a few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, he can only take a maximum of five people. And so I've been as far as Scotland. I've been all the way up to Scotland. Um, when I said I got rid of all my emotions and anxieties and things, that was very early on. I drove up to Aviemore and I went to the edge of a lock, Loch Morlick. And one night when the moon was sort of shining brightly, I went to the, as far around the lock as I could. And I screamed and I shouted and I cried and I grieved my mother who died six months before I started doing this. And my father and my brother and my sister, I had all those angry conversations I would have had with my um, work colleagues and my boss, you know, that I should have had, had I not been menopausal. And I just let it all go. It was really cathartic for me. So Scotland's a special place for me. And in fact, in a few weeks, about three or four weeks, I'm heading up to the Outer Hebrides, um, which I'm looking forward to. Um, But then I've been all around Wales and I've been um, Yorkshire, Lancaster, the Peak Uh District, all over. But I haven't done Devon and Cornwall. And I've literally stayed away from those at the moment because I think everybody who's got a tent or a motorhome seems to head down there. And that's my idea of hell. (laughs) (laughs) Now, when you go to the, do you always stay in a campsite or do you, are you allowed to just park up anywhere? A lot of people park up, but I I never do that. I think that's one step too far for me. I I have a campsite um, because it's more secure. No, not just the security. I, I like nice surroundings. I can't think of anything worse than them just pulling up on the side of a busy road and in car parks and things. To be honest, mm-hmm, I'll sometimes mm-hmm. stay in the car park of a country pub where they there's um an app where you can um, park for the night if you eat in the pub or drink in the pub. And some of them are lovely, be- beautiful settings. Uh, there's one called the Scots Arms up near Harrogate, which I stay in a lot. And there's beautiful views and the food's lovely. And I can meet up with relatives there as well. So ah, okay, okay. So them on sites. So there's all sorts of apps that help people that are living the van life. Oh yes, there's lots out there. There's lots and lots of help out there now. Um, there's <clears throat> motorhome happiness. There's oh, excuse me, <clears throat> got a frog in my throat. There's lots and lots of places out there um, that people can utilise. And there's groups, lots of groups where everybody helps one another and gives one another advice. But I tend to steer clear from those. A lot of those are set up since COVID. There's been an influx of lots and lots of people trying the van life and and not doing it full time necessarily, but doing it a lot more than they they had done before. Yeah. Um, And they all help help each other. But I, I've sort of started this, like I say, two and a half, I'm going on for three years ago. Um, And I'm doing it as a mission to try and champion anti-aging. It's not, it's a lifestyle, but it's with a message as well. And it's trying to inspire other women and encourage other women. It's not so much to be part of all these big communities. Ah, okay, okay. So yours is really a life with a message. Yes, I think so. Well, that's what Mm. I'm trying to do. I don't know how long I'm going to do this for. I mean, I'm actually writing a book, which which hopefully, fingers crossed, um, will be out in October this year. Um, and that is is about my journey, and it's to inspire other women. Say, be ageless, be fearless. You can do it too. Um, and little tips on on what to do and 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 how to do it, and then little bits of of, of 
how I've overcome my fears and difficult situations um, along the way. That would be a very good book to read, I think, for many people out there. Well done you for doing that. And another question I want to ask you. Do you get scared? I'm often asked that question. Yes. Um, And no, I don't. I No, I don't at all. The only time I've ever been really scared was Mm. when I did, somebody told me about that app for staying in pub car parks. And and I went to a play. I thought, oh, there'll all be a certain type of pub. And I went somewhere and actually the pub was closed that night and I was very scared. There were cars coming and going and it was all a bit, I thought, oh no, this isn't for me. This isn't what I'm wanting to do. Um, but other than that, no, I'm not scared. And, and I feel very secure inside here. And like I say, I stay um, on farms or in quirky places, you know, and invariably there might be a another van there. Um, so I don't feel scared at all. I feel quite secure. In fact, I probably felt more scared um, living alone in my house, you know, my flat um, than I do here. I don't know why. It's a funny old thing, but I understand what you mean, because somehow, yeah, I feel safe in the car as well, for some mm. reason. Um, I don't know. People always, my friends always laugh and say, well, you're not the king of the road. No, I know I'm not the king of the road, <laughs> but somehow it feels safe. I don't know why. Yeah. And a car is a car, but I suppose with your motorhome. Um, and where do you do lots your washing? Of locks as well. I've, I've got alarms and locks and I do certain things with the seatbelt oh. to make it all secure. So, you know, I may, I, I'm very secure security conscious as well and I'd like I say I don't tell people where I am until I've left the air yes when I'm writing about it I just give general I'm in Kent or Sussex or Yorkshire or wherever but I don't mm. give specifics so, yeah that's 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 um, that's why I said at the beginning are you allowed to say but I mean not giving specific um locations is a very wise thing but I wanted to say to you and it seems so sort of trivial but where do you do your washing I wash a lot of things by hand because I actually enjoy washing things by hand. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I see, because I'm from a big family and I've got lots of friends, Mm -hmm. I'm lucky. I tend to see people every couple of months. um, And when I arrive at theirs, I wash all my bedding and my big things. um, And then on, if I want to wash all my big blankets, then I'll go to one of the big sites, the Caravan and Camping Club or Caravan and Motorhome Club, um, oh. and I'll stay there a couple of nights. I don't particularly like those. There are hundreds and hundreds of people all sort of in little squares, but they, they serve a purpose and I can get all my, my washing done. Um, and then I hit the road again. And how, how is your spirit these days? Compared to, I have to ask, because compared to the constriction of your life before to now. I'm just, I'm just so happy. I'm just so, I think the freedom to know I can do what I want, when I want and how I want. And I don't know how long this is going to last. So I just, I'm blessed every morning when I wake up and I take each day as it comes and I try to enjoy it the best that I can I also allow myself to have like a duvet day not not necessarily under the duvet but lazy days where I think I'm just going to do nothing and the other day I sat on the steps of of my motorhome and I posted a little video and just said I was listening to the bird song and looking out over the beautiful views and I just thought how lucky am I that this is my life 
and this is how I'm living and I'm enjoying it. And I'm trying not to do, be totally self-indulgent for me. I'm trying to do it to help other people as well to find that happy place for themselves, however, whatever form it takes. And what sort of things are you involved with, Siobhan? Are you involved in groups or are you giving talks such as, for example, tonight? What sort of things, where can people get hold of you? Um, I, give, I give Zoom talks. I've, through lockdown, I gave a lot of Zoom talks to women's institutes. Um, right, okay. But, groups and now I'm actually going in person to meet up with those groups and giving talks so I do talks for them um, mm. and I also I'm going to be giving a talk at the camping and caravan show in Peter Lee in um, uh, where is it uh, Peter Lee in April I think it's April the 22nd that's a four-day event and I'll be talking at that and having little um, sessions where I can sit and chat with people as well after my talk um, I'm talking at the uh, Women's National Register annual conference um, in Northumberland. That's up in September time. So I've got talks all, you know, all around the place. But I have a website and it's Siobhan Shavoff, S-H-U-V-O-N-S-H-U-V-O-F-F.co.uk. And that has links to all my um, blogs and my Instagram, which I, I feed those every day I'm posting on those all the time and how does your family feel for example your daughter oh well my daughter at first she was a bit sort of alarmed when I said I was doing this and I think she was worried um, and quite rightly so I suppose because I didn't I couldn't articulate what it was I was going to do I just knew how I needed to feel and now mm. I'm feeling that but pretty early on she came and stayed with me a couple of days um, in the motorhome with her little dog and after the first night and she was doing breakfast she turned around and she just said to me I get it, mum. I get it. I could live in this. I know what you're doing. And um, she gave me a blessing, really. And now that I'm sort of on television a lot and in the newspapers and I'm going to be on um, Steph's Lunchbox programme and I'm going to be um, publishing my book, she's oh. just so pleased um, that, that my message, I've been able to get my message out there and find my inner happiness. What a beautiful story absolutely fantastic and for people out there Siobhan that want to do something like this and to begin a life on the road what sort of advice would you give them? I'd say to them don't self-limit because you think you can't do something and you tell yourself you can't do something and you tell yourself you're not courageous enough and, and and you'd be afraid and oh I couldn't the amount of women that I've been interacting with and talking with and messaging with recently who have lost sadly their other you know their other half their husbands and that they've been forced to do things they they've never done before and to drive a motorhome that maybe they both went away in and they can do it and they're really pleased that they've overcome their fear and that feeling you get when you overcome your fear um, it spurs you on to, to do something else that's a bit fearful because you know it's going to be all right I can do it so just take those first steps don't limit yourself and, and just try and face your fear um, baby steps really and when I think about your journey now and how you speak I see you really as a beacon of light that oh. is illuminating not only the path for yourself 
but for other people to be able to lead that life that they have always dreamed of. And I think it's a fantastic and noble act, I have to say to you, Siobhan. That's so nice, a beacon of light, because that's that's genuinely where I'm coming from. I don't oh. want to be rich. I don't want to be famous. Oh. And when I'm in the papers and magazines and things, I found it difficult at first. I was a bit embarrassed. But now I think, no, that's the way I can get the mes- message out there. And a lot of women who were, who were feeling how I felt at that time, and they're feeling it now, hopefully they can relate to it. And like you say, it will spur them on to think, do you know what? I'm going to give that a go. I can do that. Not necessarily something as mad as getting rid of your flat and your possessions and getting a motor home, but just doing something that maybe learn to sail or go running or learn to sing, join a choir, just do anything that, that they've always really wanted to do and they know it would make them happy. You're such an inspirational lady, really. And listening to you, you make it possible with your words there is um, there is this, I don't know what it is, it's an energy behind your words that really it seems like the impossible is possible when you speak. It is, it is. You it, can always find a way. Somehow you can, I don't know how, but you can. Absolutely incredible. Are there any plans for you to go abroad? No, that's what everyone says to me going abroad. Well, I say no, I want to go to Ireland and I'm going in this year. I'll be going for about six weeks traveling around Ireland. Um, And I've got again from social media and and I've got a lot of women interacting with me who've invited me to go and visit them and things. So I'm looking forward to that as well and really getting to know the local people and the local stories, Um, because I like hearing from people about how they're aging and what they're doing. And there's lots of like groups that are doing stand up paddle boarding or wild water swimming and things like that now of women in their 50s and 60s and beyond and I love meeting those groups and interacting with them I'm smiling you know that I've been smiling all the way through this because it's an absolute joy to hear somebody who is truly happy and living their life to the best of their ability it you are really an inspiration Sean it's a privilege to be able to do it um it's been a rocky road to get here but it's all been worth it and I'm just loving every minute of it oh well look come back thank you so much for being here tonight and I'd love to have you back so once you've done a few more of your adventures please come back and tell us about them I will do. I'd love to. And it's been fabulous talking to you. Thanks so much for having me on. Ah, it's an absolute pleasure. You look after yourself. Have a beautiful evening. And may the angels carry you through your journey onwards. Thank you. Ah, take care, Siobhan. Bye. Bye. Siobhan Daniels, what a fabulous story. Thank you for joining me and my wonderful guests. Until next time, enjoy yourselves, take the chance on life, and lots of love. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life, brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music, and inspirational work, take a look at her website, 
www.miminovic.co.uk